0: Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Elena Carruthers, the Commercial Content Executive at IGB, and I'll be chairing today's webinar. We're delighted to be hosting this webinar with Symphony Solutions and Under Defense, discussing cybersecurity challenges within iGaming. In iGaming, cybersecurity matters not just from a compliance perspective, but challenges also include fraudulent activities, data leaks, and general hindrances to long-term innovation. Today, we're joined by Eduardo Remedios, VP of iGaming at Symphony Solutions, Nazarte Moshek, founder of Under Defense, and Gianella Borg, information and security team lead at Katina Media. In today's webinar, we're going to cover two main areas followed by a Q&A session at the end, So please feel free to submit questions throughout and we'll try to get to as many as possible. Our first section will cover cases on how leading European online gaming companies are continuously targeted by malefactors and building their cyber resiliency in production and internal networks. We'll talk about cloud security fraud and DDoS, countermeasures to avoid business interruption. And then we'll move on to discuss the secure products that can help operators to prepare and mitigate these risks. So without further ado, I'll hand over to our speakers. Just to give our audience a bit of context to start off, I'm going to head over to you, Gianella and Nazar. Would you mind just explaining a little bit about the relationship between IT and cybersecurity?
1: Thank you. Um, So very often, um, uh, uh, iGaming, businesses, you know, the new businesses and well-established businesses, uh, ITs uh, and product development are key drivers for business success. And uh, what I discovered in my personal practice that uh, very often, uh, you know, if it's a startup, uh, I can platform or uh, affiliate or uh, some others um, entity. Uh, in this domain, uh, there is an issue that uh, on the beginning cybersecurity is uh, undervalued. And uh, adding security later may create a very dramatic uh, situation for a business. Uh, and the right way of doing it is to actually start adding security from the beginning, from the design perspective, because uh, gaming is very suited uh, domain for uh, hackers, for attackers, um, where they can earn a lot of money, uh, because fines um, and compliance is critical for this domain. Because, uh, as example, one day of uh, business interruption for major gaming operators may cost them between you know forty to uh, fifty millions in average. Uh, and uh, this kind of giants, they can afford to, uh, you know, move for you know, bigger and smaller companies. Is who who own what kind of roles and responsibilities? Very often, I see a situation when uh, you know, security directors report to technical officer or CIO. Um, And there is, uh, you know, often a fight between the teams, uh, which is counterproductive. So uh, according to best practices and recommendations for organizations like in the U.S. and East, uh, have to report directly to CIO uh, and be controlling growth for an IT uh, to product development, as well as to have a, a capability to report and escalate the issues to a board and uh, you know uh, also what we see is that very often um if we talk about what cybersecurity do in uh, gaming it's not about just you know making product secure by design very often it's also about people and uh, security officers have a lot of, lot of things you know to do uh besides just a pen testing for application uh, Janelle, I, I, may, I can, you know, I'd be happy if you can elaborate more on
2: it. Yeah, sure. I, I guess first thing that came to my mind when you asked about the relationship between IT and cybersecurity is the love-hate relationships, right? Because it depends from where you look at it, of course. But in, indeed, it's it's a team sport, right? Um, so you obviously have various roles at play. You have the defenders, attackers, and the builders from the security side. And you obviously have to collaborate with with other with other teams in order to get things done. Um, so essentially, from the security side, you have the good communicator and the jack of all trades, as I call it, that can collaborate well with with other groups and with with other organizations. so ultimately it will be difficult. Perhaps impossible to even implement what you find as a security lead or, or as a member of the security team um, during an incident or before to prevent or after detection and after response. So, my answer would be yeah, it's, it's a team sport. So, so that's, that's the relationship that, that exists between security and the rest of, of the IT um, resources in, in the company. Yep, no,
0: no, we were, oh, I'm so sorry.
1: Sorry, please go on. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to add you know, that many, you know, uh, very often there is a uh, mis uh, expectation, uh, you know, t- between, you know, CIO and product, uh, you know, development team that, you know, security have just to make sure that product will be released secure. Uh, and, you know, that's why they heavily rely on the uh, you know, just a pen testing. Uh, and pen testing is an exercise which allows you to get a snapshot of, you know, your product platform solution uh, in specific timeframe. Uh, but very often it also depends on the rest of the organization and, you know, if you don't have visibility on this uh, people, assets, your DevOps team, uh, you know, uh, there should be someone who is in control of it. Um, We recently had a very interesting case. Uh, If you could show next slide, it will be about it. Uh, You know, when um, one compromised user account in Azure cloud, uh, you know, creates a situation when the attackers were able to take down the whole uh, customer infrastructure in the cloud. And this is very often the case when um, gaming providers believe that, you know, when they, shift everything to the to up to the cloud uh, it will make a difference um janelle what do you think about it
2: uh, yeah so with with regards to we're talking about resilience right
1: yeah, even, well, yeah you know if clouds really uh, if moving to the cloud really uh help product to become more secure and resilient
2: i see i see um well um Again, the cloud usually um, is like the notion, yeah, I'm on the cloud, look, look at me. It's it's like something to show, right? Um, the important thing about the cloud is obviously having the right skills and the right team to be able to operate in the cloud. And you have to first, before actually doing that, you have to look back. Is my like business um, meant to be on the cloud? Are, are we meant to... Um, uh, have microservices are we meant to operate is the business model made for the cloud? is the first thing of course and then you have to um scale up your team to be able to support the cloud being on the cloud just for the sake of it is just you know having a tesla for just the branding it like that right so yeah obviously there is much more to the cloud than first meets the eye obviously any company can be on the cloud if they're obviously geared for it right so um, yeah,
1: that, that would be my take on it for sure. Uh, I have also a question to you. You know, as a person who have like more than fifteen years of hands-on experience, uh, you know, in a let's say old-fashioned uh, IT security and you know very fancy modern cloud security, uh, your humble opinion, you know, what, what where you can where you have more control over your assets, you know, in in the cloud or in a you know uh, on-prem old infrastructure
2: i guess well for for katana media right um we're a company with 2600 brands um that's a lot of brands so obviously having everything in the cloud is easily having everything in a single pane of glass you can easily hook that data to a seam for example and you can analyze the data at one go. With on prem, it's obviously the, the more you the bigger you are, the more difficult it is to, to manage on prem. And we originally when I joined Katana Media, we were a mix, right? And now we are trying to consolidate everything. So I kind of felt the difference between on prem and different kinds of clouds and then trying to consolidate everything with one cloud. It's obviously easier. Again, needing the expertise, you have to have team geared up from the technical um, aspect to the security aspect. So if you have a DevOps team, you obviously, obviously need to fill that gap with DevSecOps. You cannot have a traditional security engineer that does, is not skilled on cloud. You have either to invest from the get-go in someone that understands the cloud or skill that person up. So for me, I definitely would would see the benefit of the cloud. But again, it depends on the size. If you are smaller, you can go with on-prem, there are less considerations about trying to conceal your data. Obviously on the cloud, everything is out there, everything is exposed, then you have to start to configure it down and start to reduce the exposure that, that your assets have. Whereas with on-prem, you have to work the other way around. You just expose what you need and that's it, just maintain. With the cloud, it's, it's all, always trying to understand what the new features are and what you need to do to you. Keep everything safe. So obviously, there's there's a, a a balance, I guess. It depends on the business, and this is why I mentioned that you need to assess and understand, I guess.
1: Thank you. What Thank you. Um, on this slide, uh, you know, we have very good uh, visualization for one of the cases which recently happened to, uh, you know, one very good and you know, big company and it's also about exactly the cloud case because uh, you know it was a compromised azure account which you know was detected and it was a small tiny anomaly uh you know because one of the users was behaving employees of the company was behaving differently and uh all of us should realize that you know if uh, uh you know our product we build and product we deliver to our customers it's product which develop is which is developed by by people, our employees, and you know, DevOps team, IT team, uh, you know, uh, some people in the, you know marketing team, and all of them, many of them, have different level of access, and uh, if uh, there can be a situation when uh, uh, you know IT administrator, uh, you know, highly privileged personalities accounts can be compromised and uh, it's very well known that there is uh, many cyber extortion cases nowadays uh, across the internet with ransomware with, uh, you know, um, threatening the users, you know, about exposing some information about them. Uh, You know, many businesses have no clue that, you know, every employee is a target. And having you know visibility across you know IT assets and and human as, you know human resources about watching what your uh, employee are doing you know especially working from home, uh, it's a big threat. So like in this case, a small tiny anomaly uh, became a very big incident where we spent you know seven hours uh, online with our customer, uh, you know investigating what happened, when happened, because it was very very privileged. Cloud uh, admin account, which get exposed, which was misused by attackers. Uh, old known strategy was to mine Bitcoin, uh, and even worst strategy for any business, especially business in the cloud, is actually to uh, take over the cloud accounts and run and ask for a ransom. Um, there was a cases you can Google it, you know, uh, under the title "Murder in the Cloud." It was about the company who was absolutely wiped from the cloud because even their backups were located in the same user account so to go took over of that account was absolutely death for them so they lost their business um and this is the risk which each of us have to keep in mind um and if we talk about the risks uh, you know there is a very good strategy which uh helps um any kind of business to actually uh, build the program which will be, uh, you know, solid, consistent and will help uh, businesses to recover from any breach because it will happen, you know, later sooner And the strategy is called cyber resiliency. Maybe you can, you know, elaborate more on it. And maybe we can switch to the next slide.
2: yes for sure so obviously with oh, sorry for that company of course but again maybe just to tie into what you mentioned one last thing before we switch to cyber resilience, sorry resiliency it's it's not just technology right we we have a saying probably when we did any certification information security we say people process technology all three together not just technology we cannot discount the, the other two so Definitely agree with you. There needs to be a strategy behind the cloud. It's not just you know getting the Tesla for the sake of having a Tesla. But anyway, um, switching back to to cyber resiliency again, the word in itself it's a it's a process, right? You cannot say, yeah, I am cyber resilient now. Hands crossed, feet on the table, all done. It's it's something that you do, you achieve. First of all, you achieve slowly over time, and even if you are in a comfortable position, you can never say, okay, now I'm in a comfortable position. I am cyber resilient. You have to continue working towards it, right? Um again, it's it's it improves over time and and it's about achieving the right balance as well. So again, it's 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 not just the technologies, right? Um, I cannot say, Yeah, I bought a bunch of tools, now I'm cyber resilient, I can check everything. You need the people behind it, you need people to run the tools, people to obviously extract the information from the tool, maybe using a seam, maybe just you know directly, and then using that well-informed skill set of people to create processes to continue on the good work that you've done. So it's, again, it's a, a long-term process that, that I see. Um,
3: and again, it's
2: it's, it's, uh, it's those three components that, that work together, really, that's the way I see it. Uh,
1: from your experience, why, what is the uh, you know, um, logging approach, how companies can start you know building their cyber resiliency program?
2: Uh, so from, from my ex- experience here at Katana Media, obviously I joined a year ago, um, we started out a security team. We first saw that we needed the visibility. All those brands, perhaps teams working in different silos working differently. The collection of information into a centralized you know i was alone for for eight months i think or seven months So i, I had to try to see understand what's going on so visibility and then uh, building the technologies based on the data obviously if you have the data it's much better to you know show um the executives what you need to what needs to be done it's it's clearly defined with, with back data is obviously better. Probably Edward would, would uh, agree here, being a VP. Uh, that's,
3: that's true. I think, I think a lot of the things that you've mentioned, they're all really key points, but from, um, from a, um, a company point of view, um, certainly it's it's definitely not a question of ticking the box and saying, right, we are resilient, and, and putting your feet up on the table. It's a, it's a continual thing. Um, the other key point is that Um, To really embrace this uh, and to make sure that security um, is embedded into the product design and your software development lifecycle, that's actually a mindset. So you need to be thinking about that as as a company. Um, And you need to also educate the people that you already have. Um, And during the process, you may identify that you actually are missing some key roles. So certainly, I would say one important thing from a business point of view is to make sure that it's an it's actually here in your in your head that you are actually, you know, cognizant of the fact that um, cybersecurity is is something that you need to be thinking about all of the time for all of those brands that you mentioned and for the enterprise as a whole. Absolutely, thanks.
2: Yeah, there is a there is a saying in information security that is security should be built in and not bolted on. It's even better if if it's part of the process. It's always always. Um, the better idea of course
1: yeah but if, if you're running you know uh, from from zero to hero you know if you uh, like a young company with let's say two years um, on the market and you bring your product your game you know uh, very often most of compliances require you to, to run a pen test what what is your experience with it you know is it really panacea is it really you know ticking the box you know having the confidence that you know yeah. okay who we tested our product uh, these guys these hackers were not able to to, to break it
2: yeah in i gaming i guess uh pentest is part of the regulatory process right and many companies take it um as just a tick of the box but in, in reality a pentest is just a snapshot right it's only a very like a one-time idea of what your product suite looks like. The important thing is to either, either do it in a um, more frequent, um, do it more frequently and as part of a holistic process rather than depending. Okay, pen test is good. We can move on with our life. I mean, it, it's always, it's always better, right? To, to have a process around a pen test. You have to identify maybe what is your weakness at that point in time. And work on it as a holistic approach in information security. Um, yeah. Obviously, some identifications that the pentest find are crucial, right? It might identify some lackings in the way you do things, but ultimately, it's just a, a, a snapshot of what's happening. A pentester might not discover some some other things. So definitely, definitely a, a one-time one-time exposure I would include it as part of the information security strategy but I would not completely depend on it because after all it's an attestation I'm not sure about you Eduardo. what do you think about it
3: well well yes I mean uh, as I've seen over the, the last number of well quite a few years it's often as you said seen as it's almost a bullet point that sits under under the table over a non-fun- non-functional requirement so it sits over there uh, it's almost like an afterthought, um, uh, so really and, and we'll come to this a little bit later on with some of our uh, slides to come where we're actually talking about the difference between being reactive and being proactive um, and obviously it's, it's it's important to be thinking ahead. Um, there's a slide um, that we'll go through a little bit later on that Nazan's going to talk about where we show the difference in terms of cost um, when you are scrambling to try and fix an issue that's cropped up um as opposed to spending some efforts earlier on in the initial design process of your product um there's certainly an advantage into doing that work earlier on which brings him back to that whole mindset so once you think about it um uh, from a kind of product development point of view and bring together the left and the right hands in the organization and work together as one whole team then absolutely you'll benefit um far more so uh, yeah, those are, those are key takeaways, I would say, though. Um We have one more point on here, I think, as a hacker. And this one uh, is a really interesting one. Perhaps, Nazar, you, you would uh, like to pick up on that one.
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I'm actually an ethical, ethical hacker with, uh, with 18 years of uh, Hands-on experience, you know, when I was a kid, in, you know, before my university, uh, and uh, one of uh, things which uh, really, you know, m- in my more middle ages, you know, uh, pushed me to think, you know, what what's going wrong? Why developers can't, you know, build code, you know, uh, good from scratch, right? Because you know, uh, I was doing many pandas, and you know, and like. 90 95 percent of them were very successful, so there was a plenty of critical findings there. Um, the problem was that you know, developers are very often as simple engineers which are told what to do, what functionality you want to com- achieve, complete, uh, on that product, and they do just this that part. And you know, uh, if we talk about the building product secured by design, there is that means that there should be someone who will uh, wear that. Black hat, and you know, think okay, how my game uh, may be misused. How, how, my how, how I have to protect my uh customers. You know, should it be you know, some uh input filtering? Should it be some web application firewall? Should it be some kind of additional crypto uh encryption? Um, uh, you know, it's uh, there should be someone who sets the requirements. And educate uh, exactly like you both correctly, uh, you know, uh, mentioned uh, educate the developers to build products which will be secured because it's way easier to uh, protect and you know uh, the products which are well designed. Uh, it, fantastic very often, you know, if uh, it ha- is well protected by web application firewall, uh, will not show you the good result. But if it's about you know just a time and. Persistence of an attacker. We see that, as example, in US, it's a huge buzz because you know every major big organization get hacked. Even FireEye, one of the most famous cybersecurity firms, they were breached. You can go and check in you know, of FireEye stock, and you will see that you know the, at the moment where these guys admitted that they get breached, stock was on the top, then it fell down for fifty percent of its value, and then you know it's jump again because these guys showed that another 13,000 organization were compromised. Uh, if we talk about product development, I believe, you know, uh, Janelle can, you know, cover more about it because, you know, you guys have so many brands and products. Yeah, I guess the challenge is that when a developer
2: a, develops a feature it instantly shows right if you have a re- new responsive site i mean okay it's not a, like an exciting feature but if they develop a new feature like consolidation or reporting or whatever they build, um i don't know um a feature uh, um for for their gaming website it shows immediately whereas we're just trying to predict and prevent something that has not yet happened so um it's always trying to sell what people cannot see, right, with security. Um, so yeah, definitely it, it's a challenge in that aspect, right, when it comes to um, uh, to security features and, and, and being one step ahead. But luckily, I guess now with the eventuality of DevOps and with DevSecOps, you know, being part of the DevOps culture, it is much easier because we are we we have a place at the table, right, with the rest of the DevOps teams. So maybe as we can see here in in the uh, in the um, uh, presentation, security finally started shifting the left right, and probably it was a, a shock in the beginning because it's like, okay, what do we need to learn as a security team? Because again, security was always a jack of all trades. Now we need to. Create infrastructure as code. We need to you know, create static analysis to, to really understand what a security issue is. It's not a matter of taking that pile of paper, putting it on someone else's desk, and you know, go fix it. Or no, you fix it. You're part of the DevOps team now. So help us design, help us build, and then you know, help us be part be part of the journey with us, which which obviously um, brought its challenges with a, an unprepared team. But luckily now with again, with the eventuality of the cloud, um, with tooling, um, building um, security around some tooling um, that, that can improve your, your DevOps culture is getting much better. Obviously, um, the security engineer needs to keep up with, with the times, right? Um, and and definitely something that we, we need to keep up with in the long run, for sure. So yeah.
1: Um thank you. Uh, if we go uh, forward and talk about you know the things which uh, you know uh, any company you know who attended this webinar can take away uh with them, you know, and go to their um DevOps team, you know. There is a <clears throat> bunch of practices which you can, you know uh evaluate right away, you know, right after this um webinar. And this is you know call it a vast web application of um, us uh, a, a software security maturity model so it's uh, a waspsum SAM software assurance uh, because you know there is quality assurance and there is no uh, security assurance you know it's like a, uh, uh, buying very expensive very sexy car but you know uh, there was no crash test for that car done right so uh, for every product there should be a crash test and there should be also a uh, Uh, you know, people who will watch uh, the application which is on production. As example, I have a very good case when we engaged with a very good uh, big gaming operator. uh, They were losing like hundreds of uh, thousands of euros monthly because they were a victim of fraud. Uh, Why? Because when it was on production, like on a slide, uh, you know, it was released. But then people, developers, DevOps, were focused on building like new features. So they were focusing not on a product which is live already and watching what is going on with that product. But, you know, focusing on new features. Uh, It's very common, uh, you know, uh, mistake that uh, growing businesses are doing. Um, They are not watching their legacy. Um, You know, infrastructure products very often become in a legacy. And, uh, you know, uh, in iGaming there is always a way for, for fraud, for manipulation, uh, for small tiny security breaches and uh, I, I guess this is exactly the same like with Enigma, uh, you know, um, crypto machine which happened, you know, to Germans. If you break into some gaming company and you have the ability, you know, to stay for years and, you know, get, let's say, a uh, few hundred, uh, you know, no, a few hundred, maybe, you know, a few thousand bucks, uh, you know, to your account uh, through some tiny vulnerability, you will never, never do anything to expose that vulnerability to someone. So it's a way of uh, attackers, how they think, uh, if we talk about, uh, maybe if we go to the next slide, um, there is a very good representation from this um, of our software assurance maturity model. Um, may I ask you to um, to switch to the next slide yep thank you um, so this is you know a very good recommendation uh, you know from under defense where you can start where you can go uh, it's a it's a it can be Google spreadsheet it can be Excel spreadsheet uh, where you can go and ask your product managers and your, you know, director of engineering, uh, as well as your DevOps leads, you know, where we are with it, what is our maturity level for this, and, you know, as example, where we are with, uh, you know, um, security awareness trainings or threat modeling. Uh, because, you know, the uh, later you are in your production cycle, the harder it is for you to fix this, uh, defects that were often an architectural issue, um, and if you can go further, you know it's material from Eduardo, uh, you know, and result of IBM research. How much uh, companies are spending if they have this this kind of issues in their development lifecycle?
3: That's right. Thank you, Nazar. This this is this kind of illustrates a point I made earlier on about um, ensuring that your attention is focused sooner rather than later so um if we go to the far right here if something is already live in production um and you have an incident there the 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 cost there of remedying that can be vastly higher than the cost associated with remedying it on the far left right if you think about it if if as um said you had secure security professional devops um, engaged when you're actually conceptualizing and building and designing the software when you're creating the requirements for it Um, then at most you might have spent some time uh, in meetings perhaps you've created a few Jira tickets and some product documentation and then you catch it that's far less costly uh, than trying to unravel a big bowl of string uh, when the system is live um, so, yes, absolutely. Um, the advice here, the takeaway is to to try to focus um, your attention at the earliest possible times. Do you remember years ago, we used to always laugh about QAs? Um, you know, developers would throw the code over the hedge, so to speak, to the QA team, say, go and test that. Um, and things have obviously improved vastly. And now QAs are there in the uh, the earliest stages. And what we're saying here is let's do the same with our security professionals as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Nazar. Perhaps if yeah, we go on to the next slide then, unless you have something there, Janella. Yeah, something minor,
2: really. Um, and luckily, with with, DevSec, with DevSecOps, right, we can also plug into the CICD pipeline. Um, obviously, with the expert team, um, as part of the development lifecycle, we can always um, collaborate with the testing team so people don't just throw it over the hedge, you know into the next garden, who cares? Um, So it's obviously a collaborative effort where um, um, the processes um, involve different teams that work together. And if something is flagged as insecure, it it goes back at least one one step, right? And we try to fix it at that step. And if it doesn't work, then we fix it at the previous step. And obviously, in the long run, we could um, figure out a way of how to improve whatever we are doing. So it, it's a collaboration, right? Yeah, that's only what I wanted to add, sorry.
1: And, and element of culture, because, you know, as you correctly mentioned, you yeah. know, uh, even if, if there is a guys who will notify you, hey, you, you are exposed, your MongoDB server, you know, it have become public available because someone was trying to troubleshoot some issue of access um, and, uh, you know, they. Just you know, delete this firewall rule on your AWS. Uh, you know, it, uh, sometimes if it's, there is no culture of effective cooperation, uh, it may take you know hours or days you know to uh, to close the gap. You know, sometimes it also takes uh, uh, days to actually if you notified that, you know from some external researcher uh, that you have a problem with your data and your data is leaking. Uh, you know, I'm, I have seen the organization which were fixing the you know this kind of gaps, open elastic or, or open MongoDB for uh, for two three days. You know, it's, it's a simple firewall rules, but you know, very often it's a question who owns the asset, and you know uh, how to properly uh, you know uh, forward the message and request to the right person who have the access to that system and you know close it on firewall or you know take the system down.
2: Yeah, a 100%. Um, again, perhaps I mentioned this earlier, right? Um, it's I think I, I'd like to believe we've moved on from the time where security just took the stack of papers and put it on someone else's desk, right? It's a collaboration. And uh, I mean, luckily, right, with, with the eventuality of, of the DevSecOps, we are now part of that culture, and it's no longer their firewall, their, their system, it's all our system. We all have been improving it, right? And everyone has a little bit of knowledge of everything, but ultimately, someone is the, the database guy in the DevOps team, someone is the security person in the DevOps team, yeah, and, and so on and so forth. So, we all help in protecting the same resources ultimately. Yep,
1: absolutely agree. Um, as the takeaways, uh, you know, in new. Paradigm of 2021, when we see that you know many businesses uh, like Garmin, uh, I guess it was a very famous case for many runners across Europe and US. Uh, Garmin was a great example, you know, of successful company which was growing like a rocket because navigation is critical for everything. But you know, every company can be hacked, um, and uh, you know, the difference between you know successful and you know unsuccessful companies is how how good they are ready to do with the incident. Uh, uh, this can be achieved through regular practice and exercises, simulate, simulation of these attacks. What is, as example, as a pen testing firm, what we notice, that, you know, uh, our customer often ask us to do pen tests, but you know, don't task their defender's team to watch what we are doing on their production. And, you know, it's a big issue because these guys were, like, are not learning from, um, like, new techniques, which we, you know, show them. They don't have this visibility, they don't have, you know, theme logs, so they don't have security operation center, uh, and they became blind, blind. And if you, you know, the first problem is to discover that uh, you are under attack, that there is a threat. Another problem is to build the right reaction on it. The right reaction, it's uh, also an element of culture and cooperation, and that's why security uh, directors, engineers uh, should have direct, you know, access to, to board, to CEO, because uh, very often when the breach happened, uh, especially in Europe, if it's, you know, with a very strict regulation, um, and once again, security, security is not about just the compliance. Uh, compliance is more uh, very good drivers for cybersecurity, it's about the practical things. Uh, it's a matter if, you know, a gaming company get breached, if some game is compromised, how we communicate from marketing perspective, uh, from a legal perspective to all our consumers, because their data belong to, to us as a gaming companies. And uh it's a it's a readiness. Cyber resiliency is about you know building this readiness, preparing for a worst case scenario, for the case when we get encrypted by ransomware, when we get exposed. And the good companies they actually think ahead about it, you know, wearing this hat, uh hiring the you know security professionals, uh like Janela to actually drive this process, to to share their thoughts with a board to Realize the risks because uh, what what I noticed, you know, from my MBA study, you know, many um, Managers prefer to lie about the real uh, situation in their business, especially sales managers, right? I do not want also to be blamed for for the delays of new releases So they prefer to take a risk and release on production, you know, uh, having a poor product, you know, having you know, uh, not having the right team of you know, DevSecOps or security engineers or, or QA who know some part of security, uh, or you know, keeping the pentest or you know, not patching the system after having the vulnerability uh, alert from from the average vulnerability scanner. Um, so it's a big issue um, without having this people who will articulate the proper risk to you, uh, managers can take the wrong decisions. And it can cost money or it, it can cost you the whole business which you was building for many years. Um, it's about maturity of C-level executives who have to you know, bring these people to their businesses. Eduardo, what do you
3: think? Well, I absolutely agree. Um... The, the, I think the key thing here, like I said, and I'll say it again, is to be as proactive as you can be right? and to seek um, uh, uh, input from people. I always say I hire people that know more about their area than I do, right? So um, it, it, you know, it is a specialized area. Um, so, of course, uh, I would be an advocate of getting specialists in um, who know more about it than, than we do. Um, but it's the, the owners, the, 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 actually, there is a responsibility of the, the CEO uh, fundamentally um, to make sure that the level of security and he's, that, that he or she is doing everything possible to ensure that they are um, as secure as they can be, right? That, that's, that's the key thing. Because at the end of the day, um, we have a, uh, they have a responsibility to their end customers. And that's a key thing. So we always talk about being customer focused. Um, and, and security and having a high level of security is one of those things that's very important. Uh, that, that's my opinion, certainly. Um, I'm conscious that we are approaching uh, uh, the end of the webinar. We have about 15 minutes here. Um, uh, perhaps we want to um, open up some questions. Um, Elena, I don't know if we have any already Athlete, in, uh, we coming in. Question.
0: Thank you so much guys for sharing these insights and we do have a few questions so um, actually Eduardo I'm going to come to you first so you did touch on this earlier but why would you say most gaming products are built without security in mind and how does this help malefactors to target them by staying under their radar would you say that's just along the lines of what you were saying about how people just don't think about it enough in advance until it essentially happens
3: unfortunately yes I mean a lot of it is and it's not just about security, but things become a habit, habits become uh, rituals, and then that's part of the culture. And that's why I talked about it being kind of a transformation, right? If you really want to change things, then you need to actually think about how will you change, right? So whether you're trying to become more agile as a business, that's also a, tra- a transformation. But being more aware from a security point of thing, uh, that's a transformative process as well. So first of all, it's about mindset and education, I would say. Nazar um, touched on it as well as actually having a look inwards to see where are you on the spectrum. You know, we talk about people being good, being better, and being awesome in terms of security. So you have to be honest with yourselves as a as a as an enterprise and look at where do you think you are. You know, where are the the areas that need to be addressed? From a from a sort of hacker's point of view, um, their 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 whole intention is to remain below the radar. Um, for them success is not being flagged, you know, um, so yes, yeah, so, you know, that that's the other side of the whole equation, really. They're trying to remain below the radar um, and we're trying to make sure that um, they can't access or, or, or compromise the systems that we have.
0: Brilliant, thank you. Actually, another question that we have that's Along those lines, is um, obviously over the last year, um, a lot of companies have been working from home, and slowly but surely we're starting to come out of that. But for a significant period of time, we have been working at home. So how how much has that increased the chance of there being a data
1: breach? Janelle, let's just you 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 are company you have plenty of employees. What was your experience there?
2: well obviously going home from from the office and changing the culture completely and the way we operate to operate entirely from home was a challenge right um working from home if it does increase the the chance for for a data breach um obviously it, it depends on how you operated how you operated before working from home and how you ended up operating luckily for us we are a cloud-centric um, company, right? So we already had many things on the cloud, we just needed to work on a few bits and pieces. So it didn't change much for us. Um, however, I think with the companies having to redesign the way they've they worked in order to support working from home due to COVID, it is a challenge, right? And there are many things that have changed in that case. So probably it's, it it might it might, right? Obviously, the supporting team might do the, all the difference. Um, if we were equipped with a security team before, it might have been easier. Um, I had just been with Katina for a month, and then COVID struck, and yeah, what's going on. Like it, it, it felt like a bit surreal at, at the time. But, but yeah, I mean, now pat on the back. I've I've experienced a pandemic, and I'm I'm here right now. So <laughs> I guess I guess um, proud moment. But yes, imagine like being in a company with with no security expertise and the IT team or the tech team are trying to compensate for it. It must have been insane um, and probably right. Without the, the right expertise, the right tooling and the right process. again, I'm getting to process people and technologies, um, the chances increase. But obviously, um, probably even for security, the chances of getting jobs in information security in in many companies increased right so there is more need for for security teams so yeah the direct answer would be probably yes but it also depends on on the situation before so um yeah for in our case it doesn't do much of a difference so yeah Thank you so much Gianella. I think it's, it's an interesting question
0: and for, for many companies it may not have been something that they'd considered so much before but definitely will be now. Um, another question that we have is what new trends and emerging technologies are there from actually a customer point of view? Can
1: you repeat the question again please?
0: Um, emerging technologies from a customer point of
1: view and
0: new trends?
1: In cybersecurity.
2: So, yeah, please. Um, yeah, in iGaming, for sure, with, with the eventuality of COVID, I guess it, it was eSports, right? <laughs> Even um, companies trying to make the best out of um, the situation. Um, or in cybersecurity, I guess, with that eventuality, nothing nothing much changed. It's yeah, trying to deliver different products, but probably involving um, but new business partnerships uh, during a pandemic that might have been challenging. But but luckily, um, nothing much changed in that's in that perspective.
0: Thank you, Ginella, Eduardo, we've actually got one for you. What recommendations do you have for teams who are struggling with getting visibility at the top sort of executive level?
3: Um that's a very interesting question. Um, i would say yeah, to just try to have an open conversation with one of those somebody that you have who is an influencer there um, um talk to them and explain to them perhaps um the need and the importance um uh, behind that i mean obviously it's a bit varied because i'm not sure what what the the details of the the question are there but if but i would say yeah if, if you're lacking visibility about the importance of security let's assume that that's that's the thrust of the question then see if you can find somebody that you can speak to informally perhaps and just explain to them why you why you think it's important Um see if you can get a slot with them perhaps you can arrange to do a, a short presentation or a slot at your next c-level meeting um, and I think it's really um, it's really about um, showing uh, your fears if you like if you if you have um uh, a concern that perhaps as a as a company you're not doing enough. Um, maybe you've stumbled upon something that you think needs to be um, uh, escalated. Then you know. Then I think it's a question of putting your hand up and saying, you know, "Excuse me, can I please talk to you about this?" That would be my advice. So communication really is what it comes down to.
1: Well, let me add something on top of it. Uh, you know, uh, in in many cases for for a business owner it's very important to have attractive reproach from their uh you know vice president's engineer not, you know for for people who they report directly uh escalating the risk and proposing solution uh because if the ceo is hearing about the problems that happened to their competitor or their friends in the same industry in the same domain they and if they will came and asked you as a CIO or CISO or VP of uh, engineering about so what, what how good we are in cyber security uh you know what, what do you do are we compliant well, you know what what is our progress there it will make your reputation down and you will have to report them you know uh with the all all answers um so like it's, it's bad when you uh when the CEO is coming to you and asking about the risk, it's better you know, when you escalate the risk and propose a solution to, to cover it. Um, this is one, and the second one is uh, the best uh, scenario to uh, explain the risks uh, to C-level executives to show what happened recently or in the last few years to the similar companies in a similar domain and explaining that, okay, these guys will happen to us you know, earlier or later, it will happen anyway. So, once again, big bad companies and good companies are different in a way how they prepared to, you know, some situation. Uh, and yeah. incidents are happening all the time. So there is difference between companies who have visibility what's going on with them and companies who don't have a clue what's going on in their production.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Nazar. And just one one more thing. Quite often, and I'm just kind of reading between the lines a little bit on this question, it's a very good one. Um, Quite often it comes down to prioritization. So um, if you're trying to get something prioritized at an exact level, if you can um, show them the cost of delay in not doing that thing, right, that'll pretty pretty quickly open up their eyes. Um, And we talked about it earlier on, the cost of delay of not doing something can be enormous if it's done very late. So have a think um, amongst yourselves and think about what the cost of delay to the business would be if X wasn't done. Um, And then I think you will probably find that you have an audience that's ready to listen. We
0: have time for one more question, which is um, actually from Nazar, which is, are there unique challenges for the USA compared to European markets?
1: As far as I have seen, you know, because we we work very closely with, with both markets in U.S. and U.S., Canada, and you know, uh, Europe. Um, so in Europe, the gaming industry is way way more mature, but in U.S. it's growing very quickly. As example, uh, and the prices, uh, you know, are also. A big difference, as example, if an average pentas in Europe it is, it is between you know 10 to 25 uh, thousand euro, so in U.S. it is uh, 45 thousand euro uh, max, 45 thousand dollars, and uh, you know um, in U.S. Um, there is a culture of you know faster, faster, faster. In Europe, uh, you know people are more wisely, uh you know I, I can say slower, but you know they think. Uh, more about the risks and, uh, you know, uh, I would say it's more mature at the moment uh, in Europe than, than in the US. But uh, the gaming industry is growing and it has a very big potential as well as very attractive for uh, male factors.
0: Thank you so much for that, and unfortunately, that brings us to the end of today's webinar. That is all that we have time for. But thank you so much again, all of you, for joining us today and sharing these insights around cybersecurity and iGaming. It's been a really, really interesting discussion. It's been so great to hear your expertise on these topics. Today's webinar has been recorded and will be available on demand shortly on iGamingbusiness.com. So keep an eye out for the recording, and until then, we will see you next time. Thank
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.